We're going to have our Bible reading, which is the same as last week, just in case you think I've forgotten, uh, which is Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. Anne's going to bring our reading for us. Passage on page 1174, the Pew Bibles. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us and to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. I'm sorry Don't ever apologize. <laughs> Don't ever apologize. Happy Father, I want to thank you this morning that your love is so much greater in every dimension than we can understand or imagine. Would you touch us afresh this morning in a way that only you know what it is we need? In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder whether you can bring to mind moments either in your own life or in people you've spent your time with where you've witnessed a love that seems something extraordinary. You know, whether you've been on the receiving end where it isn't just that something was done, but you know deep down that something diff- there was something different about what happened when you either you saw it or you witnessed it in that. So whether it's receiving kind of an act of beautiful love that's just a, a sacrificial act at the same time from the kind of, I remember where a child being asked that, and one of the children's asked is, watching my mum share her chips with my dad. For her, it was a picture of kind of extraordinary love. Or someone who's come along into your life at just the right time 
to sort out a spectacular mess you've got yourself into. I just scooped you up and brought you the help that you really need. Or it's amazing how a wonderfully spoken, tenderly hearted word at just the right time can speak to us, can break us. And in a sense, Anne, I don't know what caused you to kind of tears, but that sense of just God doing something in a moment, that actually it's through words or through some words that touch us in a particular way. Or a gift that hits the mark, that reflects that someone really, really, really knows you and knows what you need at that moment. Or just simply giving the care and attention to somebody that's sacrificial, that's beautiful, that actually speaks of amazing love. Pure love, true love, high love. High love, I'm going to argue this morning, changes lives. God's love changes our lives. Paul's great prayer here in Ephesians 3 calls us to grasp the height, the width, the length, and the depth of God's love. This morning, I'm going to have another go after a little bit of an introduction last week as well to talk about the height of God's love, the height of God's love. Do we long to be filled with the height of God's love, to be lifted up, to be lifted up? You see, the height of God's love appears throughout Scripture when you look carefully at the whole story of Scripture. There are some places where we see it really clearly. As we gaze on creation, we see in the color, the form, the variety of bird life, earth life, sea life, land life, an extraordinary mind, an extraordinary high mind must have created something like this. Something so magnificent, so glorious, that's beyond our imagination, beyond our ability to, to imagine ourselves. The wonder of creation speaks to a wonderful creator. It's the creator behind that, the mind behind creation, that speaks of the height of God's mind. And in a sense, over the last, I don't know, 200, 300 years, with all the scientific discoveries and all the kind of stuff in biology, in astrophysics, in science, can only, in a sense, enlarge a vision for just how minded God's creation is that speak of the God we worship. The God we worship. The Psalms are full of celebrating the height of God. And here are three just randomly in a sense. Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned on high. Psalm 113. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods from Psalm 97. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. The picture we see and the picture we get there is of God ruling as a good king a high king reigning high in heaven. And through the Old Testament, we see this reverence for a holy God, a pure God, a clean God, a true God, a powerful God, so dazzling and so radiant. God is so other. So other that we as human beings, the created order, struggle to comprehend what God, who God is and what he's like. His ways are so much higher than our ways. So much greater than our ways. 
that it makes us feel maybe a little bit small in comparison. Yet the amazing thing is this, that we human beings are created in his image. It's why when we long to find true love, pure love, high love, that actually when we see and we meet and people encounter God, they meet a God who is sincere, whose words are honest, upright, true, straight and unwavering, not disappointing, manipulative, swervingy type love. Love that we struggle to trust. But holy, trustworthy and true, our hearts long, our hearts were made for a quality of love. A quality of love that's high. The heights of the Heavenly Father who loves us with a love that's difficult to comprehend. Because we are precious to Him. It's extraordinary to think through that if you think in a very mechanical or a scientific way. We are precious to Him. Loved by Him. Bearers of His image in our world. And we are capable, human beings are capable of extraordinary things both for good and for ill. And our ability to do extraordinary things causes us to be tempted to worship people, to worship creation rather than the creator. C.S. Lewis, when he was reflecting on this in human beings, said this, it's a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. But the tricky thing is, however hard we try, the story of the Bible is that we fall short. However much effort we put in, however gifted we are, we do fall short. We mess up in spite of all the beauty around us and the people, people around us. The story of the Israelites again and again is choosing the lower road that leads to destruction. So in spite of the beauty in spite of the wonder that actually choices are made, and so God needs to do something about it. God, who's rich in grace and mercy, shaped by a pure heart of love, doesn't give up on us. Doesn't give up on us, his creation. God weeps at the state of the brokenness of all that he's made and longs to draw us back. He wants to dwell with us. God longs to dwell with us. So he comes down. So he comes down. High love comes down at Christmas to bring us home and to lift us up. We talked last week that the height of God's love is to seat you in heavenly places, which is in Paul's letter in Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, with him for eternity. For those who put their trust in Jesus, that he takes us from the low places and seats us with him. In 1 John 3, it says this, it says, Beloved, what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. We will be like him. We will be with him. Like him and with him. 
And the funny thing about this is this, that when you're in love, you want your beloved to be with you where you are. Even though occasionally you might do things when you're watching something, or say, for example, you go to a film and you see one of the most amazing films you've ever seen. It's never properly satisfying unless you can share it with a person you love. Because it's not the same without them. You see a great painting. You see a beautiful view, some of the things we talked about. You eat an extraordinary meal. You listen to a great piece of music that somehow just moves you. You watch an extraordinary game. I know this is me. You watch an extraordinary game of sport. And actually, it's amazing. And of course, they are a dim reflection of the size and wonder of God's love. But it reflects a bit of the love that God has for us. God wants us to enjoy everything he enjoys. And what does he enjoy? What did Jesus say in John 17? He says John, this in John 17, in the kind of last uh, part of his earthly life. He said, Father, the glory I had with you before the foundation of the world, I want them to have it too. I want them to be where I am. This is Jesus saying it. He wants us to be with him. And he wants us to enjoy the things that he enjoys. Try for a moment to get your head around that. That's pretty astonishing. That's the height of God's love shown to us in Christ. His inheritance is our inheritance. Like the father in Luke 15, as we've been through before, who welcomes his son home, puts a ring on his finger and the robe around him, completely accepted. And at home, at home. So this morning, our self-pity, our prejudice, our dissatisfaction with ourselves and our own lives, with the kind of sense that maybe God doesn't really love me this morning, Kind of the moments when you're prone to, self, to low self-esteem. And the answer really, the bottom line answer is this. You can fill your life with as many keep fit exercises, other things that will give you a little temporary boost that might be good for you. Of course, those things are good and have value of their own. But they won't mend a broken inner being. That's why Paul prays for the Ephesians. So what God does, he asks us to open the door of our lives so that we would welcome him in, into our inner being, to be saved by him and for him to mend our broken hearts. That's how great God's love is for you. That's what Jesus came to do for us. That's why he went to the cross for you and for I. To give, to give us the possibility to do the great exchange of exchanging our rags for his riches. Our sin for his righteousness. That's what he's done for us. That's the weight of his love for you and for I this morning. Experiencing, longing for us to experience the freedom that Christ came to bring 
And I can't tell you this morning that the way you, you know, where you're up to personally, but whether it's in worship, in prayer, spending time in scripture or in stillness or actually all sorts of ways in which we get to receive that and learn to receive that. He longs to lift you up. He longs to lift you up, to pull you towards him, to be near him, and to fill you with the loftiness of his love. That's what Paul's praying in Ephesians 3, the fullness of God's love. There's a very sort of well-known quote about Christian life, and it's this, is that God loves us so much, he loves us exactly as we are. And, not but, and, he loves us too much to stay uh, like we are. God loves us so much, he loves us exactly as we are. And And he loves us too much to let us stay like this. As the Holy Spirit gets to work in lives and brings us new life, so begins a lifetime of transformation and being conformed into the likeness of Christ. God has good plans for you and for I don't care how old you are or how young you are this morning. That is true. You don't change. God's plans for you don't change. They might change in how they look, but the ultimate thing of God's good purposes for you is unwavering. And he wants us to join in. So the love of God's spirit that's poured out into our lives continues to sustain us, strengthen us, encourage us, lead us, direct us, call us, prompt us. God continues to speak words that will bring life to us. The Holy Spirit quickens a word that just you need to hear today to keep us moving in the right direction, keep us moving in life. The Holy Spirit continues to pour his life out leading us into the lofty holiness of God. And of course, there are so many temptations. I was just saying to David before the services, I was having a week this week where on one particular day I woke up and I just knew it was going to be a battle. I did all my disciplines, did all my praying, spent time in scripture, sang lots of songs, but nothing shifted. I thought, well, why don't I go for a little walk? Went for a walk in a beautiful place, in a stunning place that humanly everybody go to make you feel better baby crying in front of me, two dogs having a massive fight, drawing blood, road work starting in front of me, and then something, you know, wherever I went, looking for all that human beings can bring to bring peace. It eluded. So I stopped. And just said, Lord, help me. I'm a bit slow sometimes. Lord, help me. Help me to pray. And then I began, as I came with some humility, God began to show me a few things and enabled me to begin to pray in a way that, that all that kind of stuff lifted. God's love shown to us in Christ, the blood of Christ that refines us, that purifies us, that heals us, beautifies us, and leads us into new life. God's love never fails. Yet because God wants to draw us into the height of his purposes for our lives, that reveal that our purpose is no longer just pleasing ourselves, but pleasing God. 
it can be challenging. We can find seasons of life where we think, God, if you're a God of love, why am I going through all this difficulty? Aren't you a God of love? But look at Scripture. Scripture is full of people God had called was on their lives, and he led them but challenged them to purify, to cleanse them, to enable them, because he had different purposes than the purposes they long for. So take a, take a look again at Jesus' life. To, to the politically great Nicodemus, he sort of said, you must be born again in John 3. To the flanchy rich great ruler, he said, your riches hinder your spiritual growth. Give your riches away to the poor. To the socially great Pharisee Simon, he said, you only love a little because you only seek me a little. Why? Why? Because long God longs for us to join in his greater purposes as a mission in this world. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. He makes his home in our lives. And that changes everything. That changes the purpose and direction of our lives. About six months or so ago, uh, I was, um, uh, when I was praying about this kind of God is speaking to me about the utmost for his highest theme, I was doing something that every middle-aged, middle-class Anglican would normally do, which is I was wandering through a National Trust shop, um, it seems to me, and I was having a look around this National Trust shop, and this card caught my attention. Is it clear enough? So it's a caterpillar looking at a butterfly saying, you don't think this, it's too much. A caterpillar looking at a butterfly thinking, you don't think it's too much. And in a sense, it really chimed with me. Because I think there's a kind of sense in which a lot of us are feel that we can identify with our kind of sinfulness and we want to stay in the sense of the foot of the cross, but God comes and he puts his spirit in us. He says, I'm calling you to something different, to something higher, to my purposes, what I've planned for you, what I've called for you. Calling us into his, his beautiful purposes and away from kind of our, sometimes like our caterpillar state. And it's very easy to be sat here this morning thinking, well, Tim, you don't know my history I don't deserve to be used by God. You don't know, I've tried lots of things. None of them work. God's bypassed me. He just really has got one or two spiritual people he might do something with. Not me. And I wonder whether that picture chimes with you, that somehow you just think, you know, the beauty and wonder and the highness of the love of God. It's just a bit immodest isn't it? It's not very British. But God has placed his very person within you. We're called to be his ambassadors to the world, and you can't do that without him. You can't do that without him. He invites you this morning Again, to say yes, to step in. To say yes to his purposes, yes to what he wants for you, yes to who he is, to allow his love to continue to shape your life. To shape the direction of your life, the purpose of your life. And the, way, the purpose of your life will be subtly different to mine, to the people you're sat around. 
God has made you different, and that's a good thing. But the commonality is that it's a life surrendered to Christ. To step into the high purposes of God. In a minute, we're going to um, respond in worship, and it may be just a simple act of this morning of a consecration saying, yes, Lord, I am in. I am in a simple way saying yes on amen to what you want for me. Where so far, so much of my life I'm saying yes on amen what everybody else wants for me, what I want for myself because I've given up on what you want for me. Offering all of yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our joy and our privilege in responding in worship. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you this morning that you know each one of us by name. That every hair on our head is numbered. And that Paul writes elsewhere in the book of Romans that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you this morning for the height of your love. I'm sorry, Lord, where I've chosen a different road. This morning I do offer myself again to you your purposes, your good purposes for my life. Lift us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.